The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Good evening, everybody, or whatever time you may be listening to this podcast, and welcome to the latest episode of The Kickoff here on the W2Mnet.com. Alongside my co-host tonight, Brandon Biscabing and Eric Watkins, and I believe Sean Garmer will also be joining us tonight. I'm Stephen Err, filling in for Harry uh, Broadhurst. He is sick tonight. His voice, quote-unquote, feels like crap, so he's not going to join us. But how are you guys doing tonight, though? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I definitely know what that feels like. Uh, I've had to miss a few games myself for being sick, so uh, feel better soon, Harry, so that we so that you're back and ready to go next week. Yeah, Harry, get yourself back to 100%. Although I have a feeling that the way his teams are doing, the way mine are doing, I, I could probably use the week off just for my own sanity, but still. <laughs> hey, you'll, you'll, especially want, you'll, you'll definitely want to have the week off this week when you hear my uh, Are You Serious later. <laughs> don't do it. Don't. No. Ah, uh, cliffhangers. We'll have to wait till the end of the show to hear See, that's Brandon what you call a tease. <laughs> <laughs> well, we start, ladies and gentlemen, with, as always, as we do here on the kickoff, our studs and our duds. And I'll let Brandon go first. What is your stud for the week, Brando? My stud for this week is A.J. Dillon running back out of Boston College. Yes, Louisville isn't as dominant or as good of a team as everyone thought going into this season, but still, it's Boston College. Boston College is a notorious normal bottom feeder of the ACC, and yet he managed to put up 272 yards and four touchdowns in their in their win over Louisville this week. So a very big performance on the ground for him. Yeah, Louisville's definitely not as relevant as they used to be because they have now lost, I believe, two in a row and have just fallen completely out of the top 25. So that's a it's a, it's a shame that Louisville went from top top dog to little puppy. But anyway. Eric, I mean, you can't you, fully blame them because they had the injuries. Fair enough. Eric, who is your stud for the night? My stud for the week, you know, part of me wanted to avoid it, but after seeing it happen and knowing what it means, I couldn't help it. Daryl Langham, two games in a row, two miracles in a row, practically catching a bobbling ball bouncing off of his helmet on 4th and eleven. Setting up the game-winning field goal to keep my Canes undefeated. Daryl, you're my boy. you my stud. <laughs> Miami has now won 10 in a row, tying the University of South Florida Bulls for the longest active winning streak in all of college football. Credit to Miami and credit to the, the guy that made the catch on fourth down. I don't remember his name. <laughs> Daryl Langham, I just... There we go. I know. I have a... Uh, <laughs> My memory, I would, I have a, I am the opposite of an elf, and I always forget everything. Moving yeah, on. goldfish, basically. <laughs> My stud for the week is uh, AP, AJ Peterson. New team, new running back. And what was it, four games to play with the Saints? He had, he didn't do anything. It was very disappointing to see what he did. He had nothing. He went into New Orleans expecting to do so much, and he did nothing. And he was very happy to be traded from New Orleans to the Arizona Cardinals. Very much so against Tampa Bay. 26 carries, 134 yards, and two touchdowns. Adrian Peterson, my stud of the week. I wonder if this will be the uh, only time this season that a player has gone from being a dud in a week to a stud in a week. <laughs> because I rem- because I, I had him as my dud after week one. Well, it's just a change of scenery, and I may need to be picking him up on one, if not all, of my fantasy teams if he keeps this up. <laughs> I I hope to see him do well, because he did well in Minnesota. I mean, he wasn't really the star running back in New Orleans regardless. 
So the fact that he didn't get much carries or whatever, he didn't do much, not surprised as much as I should be. But uh, he's doing good in Arizona now, so that's something in the wake of David Johnson breaking his wrist in Detroit. Now we move on to our duds. Brando, who is your dud for this week? My dud for this week is the entire Washington State team losing 37-3 to to Cal. Um, not a good week for that state up north in the northwest, Washington. Uh, but Washington State gets a little bit higher recognition because it is Cal and you only put up three points. We'll be talking about Washington State as well as the Washington Huskies later on in the show. <laughs> Eric, who is your dud for the week? My dud, I mean, yes, this is about the absolute worst quarterback controversy in the NFL in the past decade. And that's exactly why they're one of the worst teams. My dud for this week had newly crowned, and not anymore, starting Cleveland Browns quarterback Kevin Hogan. Yes, the Texans have a still tough, even without J.J. Watt defense, but come on, 140 yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions when you were poised to take the starting job for the rest of the season. Just, just come on now. Just no. I mean, it is it, it is the Browns we're talking yeah. about here. So <clears throat> I tell you, that was sir. I was I was expecting big things from Kevin Hogan. I seen he hadn't he never started in the NFL. I don't think, but I've seen bits and pieces of what he'd done. I expected big things. I didn't get big things, unfortunately. One of those picks, by the way, returned for a touchdown. Way to go, Kevin Hogan! You blew it. All right, my dud for the week, the refs in the Jets-Patriots game. I watched this game live, and there was a play. I don't know if you guys saw it or seen uh, highlights or whatever. There's a play where the Jets look like they had scored a touchdown. DePaul went did three, and the play, the play was reviewed. It was called a fumble out of the end zone for a touchback to give the Patriots the ball to seal the win. I feel like the Jets definitely got cheated by the rest in this game. And that the Patriots, and we'll talk about this later, I believe. The Patriots, they're not the same team that we've come to love the past 15 years or so. Oh, absolutely not. They're not even close. And in seeing that play, go back to Super Bowl 35. Jamal Lewis for the Ravens. Stretching the ball out across the goal line loses possession. They had, they just had the newly introduced iVision 360 cam for that game. So we're talking 2000. The rule was your fingertips have to be on the ball as the front nose breaks the front plane of the goal line. Sorry, going by that rule, the Jets should have had a touchdown. I'm not going to admit yeah, that any more beyond this week, but they should have had a touchdown. The, the Giants the Giants could have used these refs in that game. <laughs> the, should have been, the game should have gone to overtime. The Jets probably should have won that game. And in reality, and I don't believe we'll talk about this tonight, maybe another show, New England should be 1-5 at best. But then uh, somehow, some way, they are 4-2. On top of the NFC, AFC East, excuse me. Because it's, because it's the Patriots. They, they yes. are not. I, I tweeted this out after that game. They're not a good team. They're a lucky team. Oh, no. Well, mm, this is a discussion for another day, but right. uh, lucky is a uh, very subjective term. I would use more of along the lines of getting calls because they are the Patriots. You, you, you gotta keep the dynasty going in the NFL, given what's going it, to be it's, left. It's all season. about the money. Well, the Patriots dynasty is dead, and if you want to hear more about that, you listen to the latest SEU show coming uh, sometime this week, hopefully tomorrow on W2Net.com. So, uh, uh, if we're done here with our studs and duds, that was good stuff by you two. We will move on now to so that happened. Our new segment here on the show, which was supposed to be non-biased, but let's face it, we get a little biased. Uh, my first thing first, the, so that happened is that Clemson 
was knocked off by Syracuse Friday night at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, New York. What the one thing I took away from this is with that loss, and I know everyone's thinking about last year how Clemson lost in November last year and still made the college ball playoff. But this year is different. Clemson is after that loss. I have a feeling that's it. They're not going to the playoffs this year. I don't know, because, I mean, Kelly Bryant went out of that game. I believe he had a concussion. Now, Dabo Sweeney, who was smart enough to rotate three quarterbacks this season, but clearly Kelly Bryant was the guy. I still think if they can find a way to run the table, they can make it in. Well, I think the the big question in regards to that and Eric will like hearing this, is whether or not Miami remains undefeated. Because if Miami remains undefeated and is undefeated going into, you know, Selection Sunday, like the the Selection Sunday equivalent, whatever it is in college football, there's no way that you do not put Miami in over Clemson. I... Because the thing is, if Miami winds up, winds up beating Clemson in the ACC championship game, I think that would settle that flat out. Well, yeah, that would be the only way that they would yeah. be undefeated. Absolutely. But then again, you got to think to the point, look at the Atlantic right now. Clemson's in a little bit of contention with the way NC State is playing to even make it to the ACC mm-hmm. championship game. So if that's the case, it's going to be some real trouble. But, yeah, if if it winds up Miami beating Clemson, of course Miami's going to be in, and that's going to be that. So it's it's at the point to where time will tell. I mean, it, I am so torn. Dad, blurb it. <laughs> yeah, I really like NC State. I liked them last year, and I love them again this year. And Eric brought this up. Clemson still has to play NC State. This year, last year, they almost lost in Clemson. If NC State had just kicked a field goal, it would have been an upset. Unfortunately, they missed a field goal. Clemson won it overtime. This year, the game's in Raleigh. So it's good. The pressure is on for Clemson. And the fact that Kelly Bryant is probably going to miss some time. That's another factor that, tell, that, show, that tells me Clemson's not going to make it. And like Brandon said, Miami's won 10 in a row, second. Uh, tie for the longest active streak in the college football. So uh, we'll see how Miami does, see how NC State does. And there's Virginia Tech. Clemson beat them this year. But last year in the ACC title game with Deshaun Watson, they almost came out with the win. So there's another team in the ACC that could prove to be a problem for them. Yeah, but but, but, but Miami's going to handle Virginia Tech, though. So I'm not terribly worried as far as that. So... Eh, that that's good. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on that, Brando? What was the question? Oh, no, I was just talking about how NC State, Miami, and Virginia Tech could all challenge Clemson for the ACC. Oh, yes. I mean, it, I would say Miami is definitely the front runner right now. But, I mean, if NC State can make a run or Vodtech can make a run, they definitely have a chance. I mean, um, the ACC is definitely more wide open and more surprising this year than we all thought going into the season because two of the main teams that everyone thought would be front runners are hardly in contention, I don't think are in contention at all right now in Florida State and Louisville. Yeah, that's true. Woo, thank you for getting rid of DeAndre Francois, because that's the last thing that I wanted to have focused on right now. (laughs) Thank you, Bama. (laughs) But anyway, so that's it for that. Clemson might not win the ACC this year. They're probably going to miss out on the playoff. That's my take on that. Uh, Now we're going to the NFL now. Atlanta, and I know Eric, being a Dolphins fan, loves this. Atlanta blew a 17-point lead on Sunday. And another loss. This is the third time in the calendar year that the Falcons have blown a 17-point, a big lead. Not enough of a 17-point lead. They've blown big leads in three games in the last 12 months. This is not a playoff team, right, guys? Oh, 
given how the NFC South is, maybe. I can't entirely rule them out because look at Tampa Bay. Look at New Orleans. It, look at Carolina. Ugh. But I would have to say, with this big rematch coming up against the Patriots, if they wind up doing the same thing again, then no, they're not a playoff team. But they still, as of right now, they've got a slim chance in my mind. Yeah, they they need to get some more wins. Um, like Eric said, the AFC South is pretty much a four-team toss-up race right now. All teams are playing well. All teams have winning records. Um, you know, I think... Uh, I, I think Atlanta certainly has a chance, but if they keep on blowing these big leads, that chance is going to slip away. And for the record, uh, people wondering, what what are the three games that the Falcons blew big leads in? Against the Chargers last year, lost in overtime. Remember that game? Hmm. Obviously, Super Bowl 51. And then they just did it again against Miami. And uh, Brandon... Uh, Correct to correct you there because I'm uh, one of those guys. Tampa Bay is at two and three, not a winning record. Oh, but, okay, uh, they're just under five hundred. <laughs> but they're, but they're everyone my, else is five hundred. They were my NFC South champions coming into the season, so that's it, another disappointment. It, 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 if it was, if it wasn't for that, um, if it wasn't for the uh, uh, hurricane out, they would be at five hundred. I would assume. I think they would be in Miami. Yeah, oh, do I'm you guys sure think well. that the uh, offense is to blame? Because a lot. I saw reports today of people, not people, but uh, lots of blame going around on Steve Sarkeesian for ah. the, the leads being blown. And Matt Ryan said that, no, the players need to play better in his system. Yeah, the players yeah, need to play I better. Really like Matt Ryan. Them. Matt Ryan has six touchdowns and six interceptions this year through four, six games. He needs to play better. I mean, the team definitely needs to play better, but, I mean, if a defense can't hold a 21-point or higher lead, that's that's a problem more on the defense. Yes, the offense needs to continue to produce, but, you know, the defense has to do its job, too. You can't be just racking up points left and right to make sure that you maintain a lead. Yeah, I mean, to asking what this offense needs to do in these situations. Even with a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, you can't score 30, 35, 40 every game. You're not. So when you have your times where your offense is going to be consistently good getting to the 20s, your defense has really got to step up, get more pressure on the quarterback, keep an eye on that secondary so you don't get beat deep. There are so many things more that can go wrong on defense that can cost you games more than they can on offense. Exactly. Carolina is on top of the NFC South right now at 4-2. and two. Atlanta is right behind them at 3-2, and two, but if the Hawkins keep playing this way, the way they have been all season, I said it before the season, they're not a playoff team. And they're proving me right right now. But we'll see how the season goes. It's only week 7. And a long way to go yet. And we stick with the NFL, and Eric brought this up earlier. The Cleveland Browns started quarterback Kevin Hogan against Houston. I expected big things. I got little things. He threw one touchdown and three picks. And just like that, Cleveland is back to Sean Kaiser. In the words of Vince Lombardi, guys, what the hell's going on out here? Cleveland is being Cleveland. They... And poor Hugh Jackson, he's probably going to get fired even though this isn't entirely his fault. Nobody in that front office or anybody else, and maybe Hugh Jackson's starting to feel this way too. They don't have the patience. They really don't have a lot of patience to give quarterbacks, even with Kaiser, multiple games in even a season to try to work through these things. They're obsessed with... Try to win. Try to win. Try not to have fans show up with paper bags on their heads again. And, well, 0-6 start later. <laughs> that didn't work out, did it? <laughs> well, let, going off of what Eric said, I agree with what you say right there with 
uh, them switching up quarterbacks left and right, which is true. But you cannot put, this is the problem with Cleveland. And there are other teams like the Jets that have the same problem. The The Dolphins are another team in the past that have had this problem. The Pretty much any bad team has had this problem. For whatever reason, bad teams focus so heavily on the skill position players, think that they are the be-all, end-all of their team, and focus entirely on them in the draft and in you know free agency and all of that, and forget that in order to have good skill players, you need to have an offensive line to protect them. A lot of those interceptions were because... Kaiser was getting pressured. So you got to the the Browns need to focus on getting an offensive line first before they can think about getting a quarterback. There is a reason why no matter how good of a quarterback you get, you could put Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers back there and they would still have problems. Uh, I would disagree with that. You've got two stud offensive linemen surrounded by three guys. It's not just getting pressured. It's Kaiser that holds onto the ball way too long. A lot of times it's he could have ran earlier. He could have let ball, let go of the ball earlier or thrown it away. Yes, he gets pressured. Yes, he's getting pressured, but he's also making the rookie mistakes that you don't want to see either. If you're putting Aaron Rodgers or somebody else that knows what they're doing back there, or even a much more skilled quarterback, you know, I don't know if, you know, let's, one of the guys coming out next year is that answer. But, no. uh, you know, no. it's, it's a problem. But, but, that's, but that's another problem that they have is that because they are always getting a quarterback as the first overall pick, it's a situation where... You're, you're not giving those players that time, those reps, in order to improve and get to that level. So you're just going in that, you know, quarterback merry-go-round. But, I mean, they haven't drafted a quarterback in the first round the last two years. And if, if you're Hugh Jackson, who's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, at one point here, is it on you? How many? Yeah, he's only won one game? And the yes. entire time they've been there. I mean... Yeah, so he's now 1-21. Yeah. And for the offensive line, they had an all-pro center. He went bye-bye. So they did have this at least a semblance to keep Alex Mack there for as long as they possibly could. But then the time was just right, thankfully, for him to say, hey, you know what, I'm kind of out of here. Hmm. What I think I it think is... Uh, go ahead, Ren. No, no, go ahead. I wasn't going to say anything. Well, I was, I was just going to say something smart. The <laughs> Cleveland is a place where quarterback careers go to die. Yes. I mean, you, uh, Jake DeLone went to a Super Bowl. They went to Cleveland and did nothing. Cole McCoy went to a national title game. Went to Cleveland and did nothing. I mean, it's just it's crazy. We can talk Seneca Wallace. We can talk Brady Quinn. We can talk Tim Couch. I mean... Yeah, when you're at, what, now 30, 31 guys since 99? 32, I think, now. Yeah, I think it's like 32. Yeah, that that's more than one a year. That's saying something. <laughs> Cleveland is a dumpster fire, and I, I thought they, had, they were going to do well this year with the draft picks they have. Nope. No. Of course nope. not. It's Cleveland. <laughs> but, um... Now we move on to our buy or sell segment here on the kickoff. And we start, I had these questions, by the way, brought to you by Harry Broadhurst himself because Harry Broadhurst said he couldn't be here, so why not use his questions? Works for me. Mm-hmm. We start with the college questions here, big fellas. With, and uh, we talk about the Washington State with Brandon, talk about Washington State with the Cal. With both, with losses by both Washington State schools, I guess, I guess. Yeah, Washington lost to Arizona State. So both Washington and Washington State both lost this weekend. By yourself, the Pac-12 was out of the running for the college football playoff. 
I'm gonna sell or I'm gonna buy this um, right now only under the condition that TCU stays undefeated because I still think that the Big Twelve is the is going to be the hardest of the Power Five to get into into the playoffs as a result of them only having ten teams. Yes, they have the playoff or yes, they have the championship game this year, so that may help them a little bit. But I still think they're going to be looked down on by the voters. Um, but as long as TCU stays undefeated, Miami stays undefeated, Alabama obviously, and um, and either of the uh, Big Ten teams that are undefeated right now, either Wisconsin or Penn State, there's no way that they're going to get in. But if if you know if everyone isn't undefeated. If there are no undefeated teams, then there could be a chance. There is still a lot of football left to be played. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of teams, there are a lot of one-loss teams that are have an uphill battle now because of the amount of undefeated teams that are left. Personally, I'm going to buy this too. And little extra shout out to Harry because he had mentioned that his dud was the Apple Cup. Kind of <laughs> credit 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 to me for saying, "Hey, that could hype up and be the most relevant one it has been in years." And then this happens, but well, you- I mean, it still could be because I mean they're still going to be the top of the class in the Pac-12, I think, along with USC. Yeah, and it's going to still decide the Pac-12 North, but at the same time, it's only going to really decide the Pac-12 North. Whereas, if both teams have been on a collision course undefeated, now you're talking Pac-12 North, Pac-12, playoff implications, all of those wrapped up into one. Now two of those three are going away. Right. Yeah, and you look at some of the top of these other conferences, like we said, Miami, they hold their destiny in their hands in the ACC. Alabama, even though you still got a couple of ranked teams in the SEC, you still got a little bit going on in the SEC West, they're holding all the cards. Big 12, you got Oklahoma slipped, but you still got Oklahoma State in there, maybe even a West Virginia. Well, Oklahoma State also has one loss. Right, but the thing is, with the way that the Big 12 is set up, you have a guaranteed conference rematch in that championship game because they're still doing the true round-robin schedule. So that's a pretty big wild card. Then when it comes to the Big Ten, you still got Penn State, Wisconsin, if they can keep this up. You've got a couple other teams that could also sneak in there towards the end of that season. I think because of the better top-heaviness, of these conferences compared to the Pac-12, they're going to get the edge even with some one-loss teams mixed in. No, I, now, I don't I, think they will. I don't think they will at all unless the, the only way for me is is if we get to the SEC title game and you have an undefeated Georgia and an undefeated Alabama, unless Georgia gets absolutely blown out, it doesn't matter what the Pac-12 does. Georgia's going to be that fourth team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something you need to think about again. The playoff has set precedent to where you don't have to necessarily win your conference if you have a strong enough loss at the right time. I just want to say I, I disagree with that to an extent just on the level that while, yes, I agree with you in the way the voters would think to an extent, I don't think that they'd want to have that big of a controversy this early in the system's history. I well, think they're going to want to... There hasn't ever been two two teams from one conference in the playoff, has there? No, there hasn't been, but there's already been a big controversy with the Ohio well, State yes. over Penn State. So, yeah, you're, if you're talking about big But contest- Ohio State did not play. This, this would be also a controversy in that 
you have just lost the title game and then you're in. So But I but not only that, but it would bring us back to I think one of the big things that made the college football playoff possible and happen was that fact that the SEC seemed to be, you know, it was basically the SEC championship game. So, you know, I don't think they're going to want to set that precedent where now the SEC is still the, you know, be-all, end-all conference, and the other conferences are saying, hey, what about us? Well, I will say this, though. If that scenario happens, and if both Alabama and Georgia do get in, you're going to have expansion talk and expansion maneuvering for this playoff sped up exponentially. Well, that no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I don't think the voters would want that to happen this quickly. I think they want to delay the inevitable as much as possible. So that's why I'm not 100% sure if that would even happen. Well, I mean, the only way it does happen is if you only have three undefeateds and everybody else has one loss, and then you're judging it based on strength of schedule and how they won and everything else. I mean, let's say Georgia loses by, you know, three points or something to Alabama, and that's their only loss the entire season. I mean, that's really hard to say, no, Georgia doesn't deserve that fourth spot. I get it's the same conference thing and all that, but... I still think that they let let's say that happened. Let's say you know whoever wins the Big Ten uh, stays undefeated, and let's say um, Miami stays undefeated. Um, I think in that situation they would pick a Pac-12 or Big 12 school over Georgia, just so that it doesn't seem as though there's that SEC bias. I, to me, I think that's just as bad as last year then. Especially, no, especially if, let's say, you know, Washington or Washington State or USC wins the Pac-12 championship game and only has one loss. I think they'd rather put a conference champion in that spot than a cha- instead of a conference runner-up. Uh, I'd have to... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. For me, let's say Notre Dame goes and somehow wins some of these games, right, that we don't think they're going to win. Mm-hmm. That win by Georgia over Notre Dame looks really good at that point. And that non-conference is way better than what, you know, some of these other teams, especially in the Pac-12, did. Uh, yeah. You know, so, so, I mean, that's the thing, though, right? We're we're looking at the four best teams. We're not looking at conference. We're not looking. Right. They've already set the precedence. You don't have to be champion. I mean, I get what you're saying, Brandon, but all these precedents that we we say, oh, th- this is definitely not happening. They've almost broken every single one every year. It seems like, and I feel um, like if if that scenario somehow somehow happens. It, it's it's almost impossible for them not to pick them. And I'll even piggyback I, on what Sean said. Say Notre Dame goes out and beats USC on Saturday. That not only helps Georgia, helps Notre Dame, because they could even start to make a bigger run and a bigger push to that spot. But then that knocks the Pac-12 out of the conversation even completely. No doubt. And I think with the Big 12, they're still going to be the biggest wild card because you have to beat a conference team twice. Very hard to do. Now, if Notre Dame goes and beats NC State and Miami, that's where I think it's almost... I know you don't want me to say that, but I'm just saying (laughs) if it did happen, I mean, it's almost impossible not to say... How can you not put Notre Dame in as that fourth spot then? I I completely well, agree. Especially, uh, especially if Miami is still undefeated and the voters finally put them in a more respectable spot. I mean, as they get these big wins, they're gonna get they're gonna go up. You know, USC's no, what ten. If but, if but they the beat USC, they're gonna go up. Yeah. The the fact that. No, no, I'm not talking about Notre Dame. I'm talking about 
Miami. The fact that oh. they are an undefeated team and they are below in the rankings non-undefeated team is a joke. Well, the main reason what, what, is... What teams are they under right now? And, uh, of course, according to uh, I know they're in eighth, so I'm not sure. I mean, you got to remember they had the week that they missed. You have to remember they played a weakened Florida State team. Uh, it, no, I'm not it, saying it, that they're that they're the, the top team in the country, but, you know, I just, I think, especially among the Power Five, and this is, this is one of the problems that I have with college football, is that the reason for why they are so low is because Miami is not considered a power school like they were in the past, so their prestige, or lack thereof, hurts them now. Is that why? I don't I think so. I I really don't because if you're talking about like error when with prestige and all these things, look at Clemson. Look at what they were even before when Dabo Sweeney got there. They were just about as big as a joke as a lot of other schools. Oh yes, but they've built it up. They've forced their hand. Like they've forced their way into the picture. Yeah, and I think Miami's finally under Mark Rick starting to do that exact same thing. Yes, they have the past pedigree, but look since really that 2001 season, then 02-03, when the quarterback chain just stopped. So now you're practically starting from scratch. All right, so uh, I guess we're all in agreement here that the Pac-12 is probably going to be the conference out of the college football playoff. Thank you, Harry, for this interesting topic that got us talking for uh, quite a while. Big debate here on <laughs> the kickoff. I, I, I also buy – I don't think Pac-12 makes the playoff, college football playoff, and I believe I heard one of you two say it. If Notre Dame beats USC, that's it. There's no way the Pac-12 makes the college football playoff this year if that happens. Yeah, because that's USC. They're the last legit team in the South. And now with Washington and Washington State's losses, they're carrying the banner. Notre Dame, they're at home. They go ahead. They take care of business. Then who does the Pac-12 have? And if Sam Darnold is... Uh, I just want to point this out here, Brando. If if Sam Darnold is leading the Pac-12 to the college football playoff, they're in some trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd say is that, it, like you said, if Notre Dame, I completely forgot about Notre Dame, if they remain with just one loss, then they're they're definitely a contender, and that and that almost certainly puts the Pac-12 out of it. Yeah, and I I was watching the herd today. I actually got off work early, so I guess I got to go home and watch the herd. Joe Klatt said the same thing. Like, you guys are saying, Notre Dame, they could make the playoff. Watch out for Notre Dame. And I mean, they have a couple games where they need to win, and they have had about half a chance of winning some games. But if they can keep it going, run the table, they are also, like you guys say, contenders for the college football playoff. I mean, not to mention Notre Dame equals ratings. So, right. Yes. And- <laughs> That's big ratings. And even though I, I kind of have to hold back against Sean a little bit, I got to concede he's right. Wins over NC State, a win that I am not going to speak about because I know in my heart it's not going to happen. But if it <laughs> happens, let's face it, you not only knock out the Pac-12, you knock out the ACC as well. So you could be in a situation where it could be Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and the Big Ten champion. Then what's everybody going to say? The interesting thing would be if that happens, like we were talking about earlier, if, say, Georgia loses by three, and then you have that whole, well, Georgia beat Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame's only loss. I mean, what do you do? We had this problem last year, right, when Penn State got left out. So. It, all I'm going to say about that is, is if that does happen, if what you said right there does happen, Eric, then the talks of expanding the playoff are going to speed up like mm-hmm. you have no idea. 
I could guarantee that we are going to have an, at least an 18 playoff within three years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if, if something like that happens, they will rework every single contract they have to to get at least an 18 playoff. And let's face it, it could. Hey, All let's right, do I'm... the Michael Leach thing and have 16. Huh? All right, we've gone uh, way... Well, that's we, the ideal. We've gone way into <laughs> this college football thing with one topic here. So I'm just going to end it here with saying yes. that if NC State beats Notre Dame... I have a feeling NC State's going to be the ACC team that rep the conference in the college football playoff. Just I should put it out there. But let's move on here because we are running over time here. The other um, question, and this is for the NFL, buy or sell. Aaron Rodgers is out for the season with the broken collarbone, but Green Bay has a good chance to make it the postseason. I'm going to sell this entirely there are just way too many other good teams in the NFC right now. Um, and they're down on the head-to-head in the North. So, you know, even if they do make a run and it's between them and Minnesota or them and Detroit for either the North position or a wild card, they will lose. So, um you know, I just I just don't see it. There's too many other good teams. They're going to have a very hard time on the offensive side without Rodgers. Um, they're going to have an uphill battle. It's going to. I'm not saying that it's you know that there's no chance, but you know, I it's going to be a very big uphill battle for them going forward this season. Yeah, I'm also going to sell this one. No disrespect to Brent Huntley. I think he's a very capable, very athletic quarterback, almost bringing back shade to the last Packer QB to wear number seven, Don, Don the Magic Man Mikowski. But Brandon said it best. Now with this division the way it is, it's a crapshoot. You look at the NFC South, another crapshoot. You look at the NFC East, you've got the Eagles, and then who knows what's going to happen with the Cowboys, with this old Ezekiel Elliott thing, are the Redskins going to step up, and then you got now Seattle, LA, maybe Arizona in the NFC West. It's just it's just way too many teams that you have to legit consider. And if we're talking about the out of all of those, the best six or the six that will really come down towards the end of the season, I don't think the Packers have it. I don't. Yeah, I'm selling that too. I don't. I believe Detroit. This is the year Detroit wins the division after fighting with Green Bay for the past four or five years or so. Trying to win the NFC North. This is going to be the year with Aaron Rodgers being out that they finally win the division. And uh, who knows? Maybe they'll host a playoff game. But we'll, uh, we'll cross the bridge when we get to it. We'll see what happens. I didn't. Unfortunately, Harry's not going to be happy with our college football question length, as John just said in the group chat. He's also not going to be happy that it couldn't come up with a question that relates to both college and the NFL. So we're just going to move on here to our get it together section, and we'll start with Eric because it's so ironic. I'm telling Eric to get it together when he does so much for me from my website inside the arena.org. But Eric, you got to get it together, man. I mean, you know, there's one team that. I know I really shouldn't be telling them to get it together, but I've got to do this in sort of a pep talk fashion. I've mentioned this before. Coach Ed Orgeron, everybody's talking about you with your turnaround and how things are going after, let's just say, the disaster that happened to kind of start the season. Look, you've still got a long road ahead of you. When it comes to the SEC, and especially the SEC West, don't start getting too, too far ahead of yourselves. Please. Just I, the first and probably only kind of preemptive, get it together in my case. Because, come on, this, ah, I sense bad things if they get the very inflated. Brando, got to get together, man.
Have we lost Brandon? Uh oh. I think we have. Okay. Uh, well, it was a good show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but we're gonna keep it going here. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and say my get together. And I said it earlier. I said it on the SDU show this week. It's New England. This team should is the luckiest team in the NFL right now. They should be one and five because they should not have beat. They already lost to the Chiefs. That was a given. They, I give them the Saints win because that was the worst defense in the league at the time. Should have lost to Tampa. Uh, let me check the schedule. I forget. They should be a one-win team. I know that much. Yeah, but okay. I got a Houston. I that, that should dang, that should have been a loss too. I don't know. I think with the Houston one, they even though that was a battle, especially with what Deshaun Watson did up there, I think that should have been a win. I I gotta give them two. I I gotta give them two for what they have done this season. And then of course the Jets should have been a loss as well. They overcame a fourteen point deficit, and then the refs screwed the Jets over in that one with the fumble touchback touchdown call. So. Yeah, this is not the same New England team. The dynasty is dead. For more on that, you listen to the latest SCU show coming this week on W2Mnet.com. Uh, appears we've lost Brando. I don't I'm know back. What happened to him. All right, Brando, you are back. So now it's time for you to get it together. <laughs> oh, okay. My get it together for this week is Clemson. Uh, you know, a very bit. Big loss for them against Syracuse, which is a program that's a bit on the rise, but, you know, it's not uh, not exactly the greatest program in the world. Um, and you were considered one of the top contenders pretty much by everyone this year, pretty much a foregone conclusion for the playoffs. And to lose against an unranked Syracuse team, that's just, come on. How, how do you do that? Well, again, you lose your start. You lose your starting quarterback. But everybody, don't worry. Miami's going to put Syracuse in their place. I mean, we've met each other plenty of times. Even going back to going up against Donovan McNabb and the crew in the days of the old Big East. It, it we got this. We got this. <laughs> All right, it is time. Not saying anything. It is time to board the lane train, everybody. This all started as, a, as if you've been listening to this kickoff since it started back in August. You already know this is, has been an ongoing joke because I said Lane Kiffin would have Florida Atlantic be a very good team, and so far, not bad. They're three and three. And this week they go against Sean's alumni, North Texas. Games at Boca Raton, Boca Raton, however you might be saying it. Wait, wouldn't the proper phrase be Sean's alma mater? Because yes. he's the alumnus. <laughs> yes. Sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, me, and, me and my diction, me and my vocabulary. Former English major. Can't figure out the difference between alumni and alma mater. Yeah, Sean's former school. You're being corrected yes. for words by a math major. You should be the one to get it together, Stephen. <laughs> I appreciate the math major for helping me out there. Sean's former school, North Texas, will travel to Boca Raton. Boca Raton. Depends how you say it, wherever you're from. And they should not be taken lightly. I mean, Florida Atlantic has a 71% chance to win this game. But that's a pretty big percentage because North Texas gave Iowa and quarterback Nathan Stanley, who I am falling for, a run for their money when they went to Kinnick Stadium a couple weeks ago and almost knocked off the Hawkeyes. Uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't understand how FIU has a 71% chance to win. Should be at least a 61% chance, I would pick. Because North Texas, as Sean will probably tell you, not a team to meddle with. I, I'm certainly hoping that uh, North Texas can win that one because 
Uh, not only did Sean go there, one of my form, one of my old partners from when I was calling games with the Sunbelt League, also is actually currently going there. So uh, let's let's go Mean Green. <laughs> I, I mean, it also wouldn't surprise me if we see this as a re- as a conference title preview coming towards the end of the season because right now Florida Atlantic in a dogfight with Marshall in the East, North Texas leading the West. I mean, who knows? We could see these two teams battle it out yet again in a couple of months. So this is going to be a good game because this could potentially decide home field for that matchup. I now know go three green. people that go <laughs> me green. <laughs> there you go. I now know three people have either gone to or now go to North Texas because uh, one of our one of mine, mine, Eric's former colleagues. I don't know, Eric. You remember Eric Chiofalo? He also attends North Texas. He is on their radio <laughs> station and does some stuff with the CBS Sports affiliate down there. I, I wonder if he knows my old partner uh, from uh, when I was calling Sunbelt games. I would know him. Talk to Chiafalo, and uh, but it's been on probably almost a year now. But uh, well, I, I do want to say Gary also went to uh, UNT as uh, well. So four <laughs> people. Hey, look at that. Uh, We're all everybody's from North Texas now. <laughs> <laughs> the lane train has reached its destination. That's the end of that segment. I hope you enjoyed that. That was fun. And it's time to wrap up the show because we definitely went in hard on that college football playoff talk. Are you serious, guys? I'm going to start off here because, well, I believe I probably steal Brandon's thunder here. But oh, I have oh you're going to steal it? You're going to you're going to be the one to break Eric's heart? <laughs> Don't yeah. do it, Steven. Uh, Don't I'm going to have to do it. Sorry, Eric. I respect Eric very much, but Syracuse. Could easily beat Miami. We're talking about how Miami can go undefeated and all this other stuff. And yeah, they won ten in a row. The sec the tie for the longest active streak in the FB in all college football. But look at how they won. I mean, they almost <laughs> lost to Georgia Tech. They 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 they've struggled a lot of struggle this year from what I've seen. And Syracuse is coming off a win against the net defending national champions. Watch out, Miami. Look, Syracuse bro, is coming to give you run for your money. Battle tested, man. We we got this. It's at yep. home. Bring on the rain. Syracuse can't nope. handle that. <laughs> nope. You're. It, it's two on one. I hate to say it because I hate Syracuse with a passion for multiple reasons. But <laughs> the the orange will let will keep the good times rolling, and they will win again over a top ranked team. See, see, I, I'm not appreciating this vibe these past couple of weeks. But first, we got Sean and what he's been saying a couple times, and then with Tim and Georgia Tech. Now I got you two. I really, really, I'm almost kind of rooting hey, for hey, hey, you. You have to hope the hurricane prove us wrong again. You think you damn right that they're gonna too? <laughs> I keep telling you, we got this. We're eighth ranked for a reason, I. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Damn right, they're gonna prove this wrong." <laughs> I can't get over that. So that's great. Uh, for my NFL pick, wow, this is very tough because uh, I mean, a lot of good games going on here. A lot, a lot of good games. But uh, I, I guess I'm gonna have to say that. Um, Wow, this is tough. Minnesota's a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Baltimore, but that defense, I still like the defense. I still want to see them do well. Actually, they did well the first two games. So I'm going to say Baltimore goes into Super Bowl 52 Stadium and uh, knocks off the Vikings. Wow. All right, Brando, are you serious? My are you serious for the NFL this week is the Cardinals over the Rams. Hey, that's a good one. That's good. It is a good one. And it's in London, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes, it is. Which is going to be, I don't know why they're bringing two West Coast teams out into London. That is an eight-hour differential. 
Yeah, and it, it's a one o'clock. Yeah, game. that's a, it's nine. Like, yeah. that's, like, so, that's like nine o'clock in London. No. Oh. Oh, okay. It's a one o'clock start here. Well, there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's there's a reason for that in London. But that would be that they were basically playing at ten a.m. Pacific time. Oh, that's brutal. But. But the, but there's a reason for that because they couldn't do their normal one o'clock game or well two o'clock game in London because then it would only be six o'clock in the morning in uh, in um, in LA and uh, Arizona. Yeah, and that oh god that oh. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think people would come out to places and uh, tailgate with a little bacon and eggs and some pancakes. You know, oh, I'm sure they would. And stuff. Oh, I'm sure they would. Just like how uh, soccer fans on the East Coast wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning to watch games like Sean and I did last week. Yeah, I used to be able to do that back in the day, but no, I need sleep too much. <laughs> oh, I need sleep too, but when your team is playing and you want to watch the game, you kind of don't have a choice, especially when it's Man U Liverpool. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. here we go. I, look, I woke up early enough and saw the end of that. It was a pretty man kind of nil-nil, but... Yeah, had my nephew not had a game at ten o'clock that morning, I I'm admit I would have slept right through. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brando, who's your college upset pick of the week? Well, I I already gave you my college upset. I thought you had to pick. I thought you did NFL. Well, but I gave I gave it to you before. I said, "Oh, you're right, no. for Miami." For Miami. <laughs> That's right. We're we're. We're against Eric on this one. Yes, we both agree <laughs> that Eric is going to get his heart broken this week. Look, if I have, if I wake up Sunday morning in a drunken stupor, <laughs> I will make it hell to pay on the both of you. <laughs> just keep in mind, top 25, you can have some interesting calculations this week. I'm just saying. Hmm. Well, they have already been. I mean... The top 25 have been hard enough to pick over the past two weeks. Uh, it just keeps getting tougher. All right, Eric, yes. are you serious? No, I'm going to do a little bit of a shout-out because I've also found Harry's picks because with a couple of these, I just can't let them go. They're too awesome. For college, looking at this schedule... I'm thinking there's two of these 7.30 games that I really kept my eye on. I was thinking about one, which would be a little bit of an upset. But I'm thinking about something that's even sneakier and would cause a lot more chaos. And especially since my boy Jim Harbaugh is involved, I'm thinking, you know what? With this team, you never know. I think Michigan goes into Happy Valley and beats Penn State. You know, it's funny. Last year, uh, after the, I believe I said it last year, and I tweeted out, and it's a GIF in my media on Twitter. I write Fanatic too. You go scroll through, you're gonna see. I said next year, Penn State beats Michigan. Book it. Now it's time, and I really still believe. Uh, now, now I believe that Michigan's going to get routed by Penn State in this game because Michigan has struggled so much on offense. Even with two quarterbacks, it's not even funny. And Penn State got Squaw Barkley, who's not just running to running, running into the end zone. He's throwing into the end zone. That's going to be a that's going to be. I mean, college game day is going to be there, but it's going to be ugly. And with something like this again. This is one of those where you get a gut feeling that somebody somewhere is just going to have that extra trick up their sleeve. And all of a sudden you're sitting there doing whatever, drinking whatever, come 11, 12 o'clock Saturday night. And you're just like, how did that happen? I think (laughs) this would be that game among any of those. Now, for NFL, 
here I was thinking, okay, Vegas finally got something right for every single one of these games, looking at these lines and thinking, yes, they know their stuff as we get to week seven. But then I see one that's like, wait a minute, even after everything that's happened, how is this line still? Oh, no. So going for the easy one again, the Denver Broncos after the dog that should have been a dog the other way around on Sunday night football, they easily bounce back and they put the L.A. Chargers in their place. Wait, they have the Chargers as the favorites in that? By point and a half. I what? Yes. That, oh my. Wow. Folks, easy money of the week right there. <laughs> I only want 10 points. Just saying. <laughs> wow. That is. Wow. I'm wow. I'm <laughs> That's all I can say about it. Wow. <laughs> uh, Harry's not here with us tonight, but he would like us to. Give his upset pick. And before I give his NFL pick, because good hell, I had to go with his college NFL college upset first. He has Navy knocking off USF and Miami. Should they beat Syracuse, will then have the longest active win streak at 11 games in a row. He has USF falling to Navy, ending their 10-game win streak. I, and I, I was also considering that one as my secondary college pick. Yeah, especially after Navy proving me right and losing to Memphis. I mean, they're going to want revenge. But mm, while it could happen, I still have some rooting interest for USF in this one. But let another Florida team get into a New Year's Six Bowl for once. And then Harry's uh, NFL upset pick is the upset of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Cleveland will knock off Tennessee. Harry, Harry, um, ease off on the NyQuil, bro. I mean, come <laughs> on. Wow. I mean, especially after how we were talking about how horrible the Browns were last week. What are you thinking, Harry? Yeah, I couldn't he, believe when he, he said he that. Was, and he was the one that thought I was nuts when I said Syracuse over LSU, and well, that nearly happened. But still, I, I, yeah, well, yeah. you all thought I was crazy when I said Troy over LSU, and that actually happened. Yeah, true, Jay, on that one. <laughs> I forgot to mention Harry's studs and duds for the week, but I do have them. Jonathan Taylor is his stud at Wisconsin, and I can't blame him. I like what Jonathan Taylor's done at Wisconsin this season. I watched him against, of course, I watched him against FAU, and he had a very good game. I've watched him ever since. He continues to impress. He's he's up for, well, I don't know what the award for is for running back of the year, but he's got to be up for that award. Uh, oh, I think it's a Doak Walker Award. I was about to say, I think it is a Doak Walker Award. Whatever award it is, I do believe he should be up for it. He's done very well this year. And Harry's dud, and Brando bought this up. He brought it up in another topic. The Apple Cup teams, even though the Apple Cup isn't played till around Thanksgiving or the end of the November, both Washington and Washington State earned Harry's duds for the week because they both got upset by unranked Pac-12 teams on the road nonetheless. Yeah, what 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 a shame. I had my hopes up for that game. I was even going to have me some good old apple cider just sitting back and watching. <laughs> All right, fellas, any final thoughts on this show? Uh, the only other thing I have to say is uh, thank, thank you, uh, G-Men, for finally getting a win and being and a shocker at that dominating against the Broncos. That was just utterly confusing. I'm like, there's got to be, did they change uniforms and I not know about it? (laughs) Hey, trust me, even as a Giants fan, with the fact that our receiving core was utterly decimated, I was just as shocked as you were. 
Yeah, and I will say, shout out to my Jaguars for proving me right yet again against the Rams. Yeah, I keep telling people, this, 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 nah, nah, don't get your hopes up with this team. Don't even <laughs> do it. Don't think about it. <laughs> that was a good game. I remember I watched them. Um, my friend was FaceTiming me. He, he had the game on in his market. That was a good game I was watching. I was, Of course, I wasn't surprised it was a good game because both teams have impressed since last season. But nonetheless, the Jaguars did lose to the Rams in Jacksonville. And uh, the Giants uh, will host the Seahawks this week. So uh, let's see how that defense does against Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, and um, I believe Eddie Lacy still the running back. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I – mean, I mean, I'm not holding out any – Huge hope for this season, but hopefully at least they can have a uh, respectable rest of the season. Atlanta, New England, the rematch. Sunday Night Football. Don't be surprised if Atlanta pulls out the victory. And uh, that's all I got to say. This has been the kickoff on W2Mnet.com. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Sean Garmer for producing. Harry, get well soon. We'll hopefully have you back next week. Alongside my co-host, Brandon Biskibing. And Eric Watkins, again, I'm Stephen Err, and we'll see you next week right here on The Kickoff. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.